baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Wiggins, America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins, America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins America. tuned into and you have entered Wiggins America where we actually have no passports. I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Are, are we, Trisha is here, are we on the side of having no passports to enter Wiggins America because we don't like vaccine passports or do we have to have strong borders? We're on the side of no borders for Wiggins America, but only Wiggins America. That's what makes us unique. I thought that we were for borders though. Not here. So we're for everyone being included in Wiggins We want America. everybody else to have borders except for us. Okay. So what we want is a is pervasive ideology because I'm thinking of Limitless this in, okay. pervasive ideology. I like that because I keep thinking of Wiggins America in terms of an actual landmass that we're going to conquer somehow, which again is relevant to current events. And I don't True. know if that would be popular. I think it would probably be very unpopular. We would be deplatformed from the entire financial system of the world if we did that right now. You're just staring at me. Why? Do you want me to play I'm your theme song? I'm just letting you work. I yes. Got okay. Uh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I thought you deleted it. No, no, I would never delete it. I, it's just that so many segments, as we've seen even this morning, they're with you and Roy. And old Roy, nobody else on the show has a theme song. So what am I supposed to do? Introduce everybody and then you and your theme? Yeah. Okay. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I guess I'll do if that. If that's the solution. In you the want. future. Okay. The other idea would be to make old Roy a theme song too. Eh, he doesn't really deserve it though. You do. Thank you. You're welcome. I know the effort and energy you put into that. <laughs> You're right. If I put the same amount of energy into old Roy's, would that be fair? Yes. Okay, I'll do that. Trisha is in here to talk about this article. Skilled trade schools, this is on our website if you want to click on it and read more about it. Skilled trade schools are are booming while colleges struggle. The headline alone made me interested in the story. Can you dig in a bit? I can dig in a bit. So uh, going into the pandemic, it seems like college enrollment was at an all-time high and trade was at a low. All-time might be exaggerating. I don't actually know the numbers. 
people were going to college, but they weren't going to trade schools. It was a conversation we'd been having a lot. What do we do about skilled workers and skilled trades? You're right. And I didn't expect now that you're saying it, that's true, because I've been thinking for a long time. Well, this has been the case because people have been needing skilled workers for a long time. But you're right. Before, let's say 2020, just because it's a benchmark, they were having trouble getting people to go to those schools. So the jobs were necessary and in high demand, but they were having trouble filling those jobs. Enrollment was low and college tuition is at an all time high. But there was an implication that's not the right word. Uh, pick a great, pick a great word right there, so that we can. Help me with my words. No, no. T- you tell me what you're going for. Hold on. Can we just all like have a moment of silence while I think about my words? No, no, we can't. I'm gonna go to synonyms.com, and you tell me what exactly you're going for. Implications. Expectations. Hey, thank you. Hey, there it is. That's I told great... you I just needed a minute. Okay. So there was an expectation that we were supposed to get done with high school and go to college. And in turn, colleges were taking, kind of taking advantage of that, mm-hmm. the expectation in society. And rates were at an all-time high. People were coming out in debt, not skilled. Anyway, yada, yada, yada. That's a tw- couple years ago. Seems like... That has flipped a little bit. Okay. A, is that because of COVID? Because so many colleges closed. I would think trade schools maybe did too, but I don't know, maybe at a lower rate than traditional colleges. Because some colleges, even right now as we speak, are still limiting in-person interaction. Or they're at least doing masks and uh, they're allowing people to still attend from home. Which some of that's fine because attending college from home, if you can do it... it Overall, if you're going online, it's probably cheaper. That's good. And then you don't have to go sit in a dorm and go to campus events that are indoctrinating you. (laughs) So overall, I'm actually for that. I'm actually for lower college enrollment in general because it's just a mill of, it's a money mill. I know. It, it, it absolutely it's a crock. Yeah, it, it's a it's a big. I say as a college educated person. Me too. It is. I am still paying on loans that. Yeah. I'm not sure we're worth it. That's well, that's that's amazing if you're still paying on loans. I mean, I know you're younger than I am, but gosh, I'm 33. You've been out of the you've been out of school for over 10 years, right? Or close to it? I finished I finished my bachelor's degree at the end of 2011. Yeah, okay. And I took out modest loans. I went to community college for 2 years and I had scholarships. Wow. And I only have a bachelor's. Wow. Well, me too. And I only it's <clears throat> It's not a huge amount of money that I still owe, but I still owe money. Man, I inherited debt when I married my wife. Mm-hmm. I inherited debt, college debt, and a dog. And the dog was worth it. Uh, the debt was not. Yeah. Because <laughs> she, she's a teacher, and all of her um, certificates and everything that she got, she got by doing Teach for America outside of college. So it really was just a time to figure out. And that's what so much of this is, which is why I think I'm happy to see social change happening and really this is probably because of covid or at least it kick-started it into a higher gear that people are realizing that once you get done with high school i did this you maybe did this you go <clears throat> okay I, i'm technically an adult now but i don't even what does it mean to do adult i don't know what i'm doing mm-hmm. so i guess i'll go to college because that's what people do and there is some practicality to it because you think well if i have a bachelor's degree i'm more marketable But at this point, a bachelor's degree is just leveling the playing field. And in a lot of fields, not all of them, if you're going to become an engineer or you're going to become a doctor, 
there are and, and many fields like that. You need way more. You need training. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that it's worthless, but I was a communications major. Mm-hmm. That's the definition of worthless. Other than networking with people who I end up staying friends with, and I still to this day will work with on projects, uh, various things. Those relationships have been great, and those I developed in college. But for the most part, college itself was a complete drain of money. Mm-hmm. And yes, useful time because I was figuring out what I wanted to do, but there's got to be a better way to do that, you know? Yeah, I feel fortunate because I did make those connections and that degree and that process got me where I am today, but I'm not in a place where the money works out. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see that enrollment, it looks like, according to a report from the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center, say that five times fast. Students.com. National Student Clearinghouse Research Center. Uh, college tuition is down on average 7.8%. But more interestingly than that, uh, local colleges, community colleges are down 15%. So it looks like those are the students coming out of school and they're not going straight to college like they were before. I wonder if that's people figuring out that they can do something else. Mm-hmm. Because community college in particular, no knock against community colleges, which in some ways are at this point better than major universities because they don't seem to preach the ideology as much mm-hmm. just because they're more lo- they're grounded locally a little and bit more. And it's a cost-effective way to get those general sure. yeah. gen ed classes I'll agree in. with that. But I wonder if a lot of the, the reason that community colleges are seeing a, re- a greater reduction in enrollment is that they get a lot of those people who are going, I don't really know what I'm going to do. And they're realizing that they can do one of two things. One is to go do something else, which they may already be doing now because, well, college was closed. I'm going to go do something else. Or two, uh, you can do online school so much easier now. And it's even cheaper than community college. Yeah. And people have really realized that in the last couple of years that, man, I could go. My wife was looking to get, she's got to, because she's a teacher, she's got to get her updates of her degree every 10 years or something like that. She's got to take a few classes and get, uh, you know, check a box. And it's, it's completely worthless. You're either doing your good job as a teacher or not. Going and getting an extra class isn't going to be like, oh, man, this has really got me back on track. Dang, I've lost my shape. way. Yeah. Thank you, the state, yeah. for making me do that <laughs> and pay for it. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> but she's got to do that stuff every now and then. And she's been looking into online. Now, this was even before the pandemic. She's been looking into online, you know, University of Phoenix is the famous one. You just go on there, you you write a couple papers, you check in once every two weeks or whatever it is, depending on the class, and you get that stuff done. And now so many universities are doing that, that I don't even know if you're, especially if you're trying to save money, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. So Or what some people appear to be doing is going to trade schools now, finally. Yeah. Which so is that's great. The point bringing it back. Maybe Mike Rowe finally got through to people because he was out there doing an absolute campaign, dirty jobs on that, and he did a great job. I, 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 that's something that we've needed so bad for so long. I mean, anytime you have an industry that isn't going away and needs people badly, whether it's high-paying, high-skilled jobs like that. I mean, if you're going to be a welder or a carpenter, or my brother does elevators and stuff now, like you have to be really specifically skilled to do that stuff. Or right now, I don't care if people are going and just trying to get back into fast food, because that is necessary right now. We have so many industries that need people that I don't really care how we get people into them, <clears throat> but if there's a need, that means the market's driving it, and 
God bless the people who will go into it. How much time do we have? Uh, a little bit more. Okay. Do you think that industries like ours are going to have to change the way they think about applicants and qualified employees? Industries like ours in radio? Ours in radio, communications, things that people are historically getting very expensive degrees for and starting at levels that don't necessarily justify those degrees. Well, um, good question. I don't necessarily think this is specific to our industry. No, just an example. But but answering the question, teachers should our industry, should any industry, yes. I think absolutely. We've got to really start considering there are other ways to vet candidates now. I mean, there are, I hate to say this, there are online algorithms now that basically choose candidates for people. Mm-hmm. And now you have to hire somebody to hit keywords for you if you really want to put in a job application and really succeed. You have to hire somebody who knows algorithms to hit your keywords for you. And so the bachelor's degree or the degree in general in the past had been a way to basically filter out people. Because let's say you get 200 applicants for a job, you're not going to sit there and read, excuse me, 200 applications and cover letters. But you cut that down. But if you say, well, you got to have a degree. That that used to get rid of. Well, now mm-hmm. that doesn't even really get rid of that many people. So, a, I think that's that's a, a bygone filter that we really don't need anymore. And B, I just don't think it really shows you somebody's value anymore because that used to be, you know, in the seventies, eighties, the the percentage of people going to college was lower. So if you wanted to use that as a filter to say we want the highest you know, skilled, highest educated, whatever. It did indicate whatever. a status yeah. or uh, a level of skill. But by the time at least I was graduating, I know that we were basically turning into diploma mills for schools. And the the uh, the, the thing that is in the back of all of our heads as we're talking about this or if you're listening to this is the indoctrination that goes on in colleges now. I mean, we're talking about things aside from that, but I don't want to send my kids to secular college anymore. I don't even know if I want to send them to Christian colleges based on some of the things we're talking about, because some of them apply to all colleges Mm -hmm. and some of them apply to just public colleges. And we're paying out the butt tax dollars into these things. I think I looked at even some of the lowest states in the union are receiving at least in the billions of tax dollars for their public universities alone. Mm -hmm. That's just crazy. Well, especially when all the information's online. Like you discussed, yes. the if the cost effectiveness of doing schooling online, and I'll take it a step further, not even paying a school, that information is out there. Yes, and that's very true. Qualified candidates or a person that's seeking a specific knowledge can find yeah. that knowledge without paying for it. That's, now. It's so it's so, so skill it's te- unbelievably skill true. testing, yeah. even in a mental capacity, like a mental sense, is something that could be done. Yeah, and just to conclude the point about even spending the money. If we're publicly funding all of this, why have the prices of college gone through the roof Great in the question. last 20 years? Mm-hmm. The opposite should happen. But you see, when any time, there's so many points to be proved here, <laughs> but any time that you see a basically government-funded anything, the cost goes up. Where, what are the two areas that the government has funded more than anything in the last 20 years? Education, especially higher education, and health care. Those two industries have shot up percentage-wise over 100%, sometimes year over year. Well, I shouldn't say that, but over a decade, the price increases of those two industries is unparalleled.
And those are the two industries the government is most involved in that should have been keeping them the lowest. So there's proof right there, because I know Bernie Sanders is listening. There's your proof, Bernie. Take it to the bank. Thanks, Trisha. Thanks, Ryan. We'll be right back. Wiggins America. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Wow, great segment with Trisha there. Uh, and I say that just because I I think Trisha's pretty great. We just had a conversation during the break about anxiety and how do you deal with it if you have it. It's that kind of stuff that we don't really talk about that much. I guess people, it's not just like conservative radio or radio in general. I think just people, we don't have those kinds of real conversations that much. Because I said on uh, during the week this week about how I don't really struggle with anxiety and I know that that makes me rare. But the truth is, every now and then, if I'm, if I find myself lax, like if I'm not putting on the full armor of God, and that sounds very Gregorian and old-fashioned, but I mean, I mean it in a very, uh, just a very practical way. If I'm not living the life that I claim to be living, I can, and you know, I'm having sin problems or whatever, I can tell that I leave myself vulnerable in doing things that are outside the norm, which is what we're kind of doing with this show. We're doing things that are weird sometimes, and we're pushing back on dark forces, I think, uh, to get really deep about it. I can get hit with anxiety, too. So if if you are, if you're in that boat, I would love to just hear how you deal with anxiety and just see if we have any commonality in that. At Radio Wiggins on Twitter, easy way to get a hold of me, uh, or Facebook, or you can go to WigginsAmerica.com and get a hold of me there. Uh, just just kind of finishing out the conversation. But we do have something very strange coming up, and I don't know why I would have anxiety about it other than doing things outside the box. I guess that's the nature of it, right? So we're going to come back with the full cast here in just a minute, and we are going to do a scripted piece at the end of that segment. We're going to talk a little bit about the whole Trump uh, talking about Putin and should we get dirt on the Bidens and the Moscow money and all that stuff. We're going to talk about that too. But we're going to come back with a scripted piece here in just a minute here on Wiggins America. I'm the worst. <laughs> Who even let me in here? Wiggins America. You know what's weird is that we let Trisha come in. Uh, we get a full cast, Trisha and Old Roy and myself, Ryan Wiggins. And the, the first thing she does is she starts defending Will Smith. That's so weird. I'm team and Vladimir Putin. I'm team Will, and <laughs> on the side of Russia, it's even. <laughs> we, you know, we were saying that uh, you're the only one who's seen what's it called, King Richard? King Richard. Yeah. Out of the three of us, mm-hmm. and you said it's really good. And yeah. I don't know why I said was it better than the Joker? <laughs> like of all the so movies, so different. Yeah, of so any different. Movie. But I just, this is why you said it because I said it's not something. It's long, so I would never watch it again. But I'm really glad I watched it, and that's how most people feel about the Joker. I think. Oh, uh, I don't know. I I don't. I have no correlation to the Joker. I just thought of the last movie that I thought was Academy Award worthy. And that was the Joker. I don't watch a for being a film guy. I don't watch a lot of the award movies. The, yeah, I get and it. And I should because usually when I do, I like them. I just don't. I think it's because I just am so put off by that world. 
everything about it. I'm like, oh, you're going to have yourself a little award ceremony, are you? Well, guess who's not participating? <laughs> Me. And I feel like I won. You know, Way I won. stick it to the <laughs> exactly. man, Ryan. Yeah. You're not getting my three ninety nine, and you won't make any movies like it ever again because of that. Ha ha! I am that. victorious. Yep. Okay, so we uh, posed a question with Roy last time that I want to bring you into, Trisha. Oh, great. We were talking about how Roy's nephew's cousin's friend, or something Some like that. crazy thing, yeah. Friend's nephew, right? Is that what it is? Nephew's friend or friend's nephew? It's the... The somebody my nephew went to school with. Okay, so nephew's friend. Yeah, say that acquaintance um, served, at least. Yes, yeah, very close acquaintance. Served in the military as a marine, mm-hmm. and he served at the White House during Trump and into Biden. And said, "Go ahead, you can tell the story better than I can." Yeah, so he was as a marine. He was stationed at the White House during the Trump administration and he he said it was just it was great Trump and Pence and Melania and everybody was just always they would stop and they would say hi they would introduce themselves or see how you're doing just real friendly a real nice environment to be in as a employee I guess and then going into the Biden administration he said it was like the flip the table it's like they are they're trash they're not just not exi- just don't not exist. worthy to be acknowledged. They're treated poorly. It's just a terrible environment. And he, so he he left the military, but he stayed in as a private contractor, and he's thinking of leaving because it's such a toxic environment. And I mentioned that I know a Secret Service agent. Same kind of thing. Where I'm good friends with somebody whose Never brother, yeah, yeah, whose brother is a Secret <laughs> Service agent, and he was the opposite end. Where he served, I think, under the end of Obama, and said that the Obamas were actually pretty nice, and then got put on the detail for Hillary Clinton during the campaign, and she was horrible. Really, I would have thought she was super cool to be around. Isn't that surprising? Mm-hmm. But you that also love Will Smith and Putin, so. Um, your judgment is my big three. highly questionable. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Trinity of, of public figures, right there. Um, so, but then he, when he served under Trump, he said that Trump was very, very nice. The question that I posed right at the end of that segment last hour was: Does that matter to you as a voter? Let's say that it was the opposite, and it was that Trump was a real jerk to everybody but that the Bidens were really nice, and let's say they ran against each other. Does that matter to you in your vote at all? No. Really? Really. It doesn't surprise me, <clears throat> even in the least bit. They're, the Bidens and the Clintons represent an elite in this country. It does not surprise me that they snub people, and Trump was very transparent about his man-of-the-people mm-hmm. vibe. And it doesn't surprise me that the Obamas were cool. That's the image they put off. I expect that. So it's disappointing, maybe. But when I go to cast a vote, I'm casting a vote for people that make the right decisions on a bigger scale. So I don't care about Trump's mean tweets in the same way. I don't care about somebody kind of being a jerk if they're getting the job I elected them to do. Done. Does it matter to your vote, Roy? I wouldn't say no. I mean, I just assume 
politicians or megalomaniacs. And they... So it's more of a surprise when somebody's nice. Right. Like, oh, that's yeah. a bonus. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you just exactly. assume the worst. And, and like Tricia said, as long as they're doing their job, you know, they, they kind of have to be in order to, to be in that role where you're the most powerful person in the world. I guess you, there's there's sort of a a uh, a level of sociopathic yeah that yeah, goes with are. being able to do that kind of job yes so that doesn't surprise me but I guess I I would say that there are people around the president who have the ability to shape the culture of the White House or of whatever their world is and the fact that the people surrounding the president are are not yeah kind they're not or... nice either yeah but it, it starts at the top doesn't it i mean if if you're if you're top dog if you're the president you kind of set the tone you'd have to think and i don't know if it's just because it's our perception because we cover the biden we cover the white house regardless of who's in it all the time here in talk radio world but i got that sense even before you told that story that him and his whole staff they just seem like really elitist arrogant arrogant is a great word yeah. for it and i don't know what i trusted about trump because you heard things all over the board you heard sometimes that he was just the same that he was very very arrogant that he had a chaotic white house and that people under him didn't like working for him you also heard the exact opposite that he was very nice to employees and he had people in the Trump world before he was president that worked for, for for a very long time who spoke highly of him. So I really didn't know what to think about him. So it was good to hear just a random story that said, yeah, it kind of confirmed what my friend who's the friend of the friend of Secret Service agents said. You guys too. know a lot of people. Well, we just got a lot of friends. A lot of friends of friends. And they're not good friends. Well, I know we like to keep them kind of at arm's length. It's I smart. Know, yeah. I know people who have friends. Yeah. Roy doesn't have a lot of friends. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Right. Yeah. Well, you've gotten to know Roy pretty well, Tricia. Mm -hmm. He's not likable. You know? Okay. <laughs> That's not fair. And I am not going to say that. I will say what I said about Putin, but I am not saying what that about Roy. She will defend Will Smith, Vladimir Putin, and Hillary, the, Clinton, and Hillary Clinton, and, and, and old, Roy. old Roy. That puts you in pretty great company there, Roy. Yeah. Changed it, my big four. Yep, I made the list. <laughs> Without trying, you just put him in a category. <laughs> With Putin, yeah, Hillary Clinton, yeah. And Will Smith. And that's really on you, Trisha. Mm -hmm. And he's honestly the most talented out of all of them. So. Wow. Hey. That's incredible. And she didn't even hear the guitar playing story. No, she didn't. <laughs> no, that was earlier. Um, let me throw it to this before we uh, get too far out of whack here. Um, so this week, one of the biggest stories of the week, and it was kind of earlier. It's died off a little bit at the end of the week. But... <laughs> The whole thing about Biden, and he spoke in like three different places and was, I think he was overseas for part of it. He said some things that were right on the line of being like, whoa, buddy, you're going off script there. And it's been a story. And I think one of them was that when the troops go to Ukraine and you're like, wait a minute, you just said mm -hmm. you're sending U.S. troops to Ukraine. I don't think you realize that. And then we should take out Putin. Like we talked about last week on this show, oddly, that yeah, we didn't know that was going to happen. And then there was a third one that he was talking about, like maybe tactical response to chemical weapons. Three things that were really on the line. Yeah. What did he respond? In kind, I think. Yeah. Was the phrase we would he respond used. in kind to chemical warfare. 
So these are things that seem pretty reckless, and they're definitely off script. Do you think that they got overblown, though, is my question for you. Nope. No. No, it's that's incredibly serious. I think we've, as a... <coughs> as a public, have sort of been dumbed down to, oh, you just say whatever you want, and if, as long as you say you're sorry, it's cool if you're a Democrat. But, no, that is serious things for the President of the United States to be saying, and he didn't mean it. That's the thing. He's yep, he is, yep. So people who pay attention understand that he's just a senile old man and he's saying things, well, even without that, he's he's always been a doofus. I don't know how far back you guys remember Biden. He's been around a long time, and he has always said dumb things. My memory goes back to last week at the Oscars. That is far, as far back as that goes. Well, there was a little bit of time before that where okay. he was in politics, and he was he's just known for putting his foot in his mouth constantly, speaking out of turn. You know, the, the whole thing where he admitted the the thing with Ukraine of you, you take this guy off of my son or I'll, you won't get your money. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to say that stuff out loud. And he always has. So that doesn't surprise me from that standpoint. But it's a little bit more serious when you're the president of the United States. I think what I'm asking, though, Tricia, is that w- they did this. The media did this to Trump all the time. They would take things he would say. And then amplify them to the point of that's not even really what he was saying anymore. Do you think this is that or is this completely different? Devil's advocate would say this is similar to what they did to Trump. Trump had a lot of foot in his mouth situations. So, yes, but I'm with Roy. The stakes are really high in the Ukraine Mm -hmm. situation and he's the leader of the free world He's got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. There, l- let me play this audio because this is Trump did this this week. And then the media did in, it, what it usually does. It amplified what he was saying, I think. But you can be the judge. Here it is. Putin now is not exactly a fan of our country. Let him explain where did because Chris Wallace wouldn't let me ask the question. Why did the mayor of Moscow's wife Give the Bidens, both of them, three and a half million dollars. That's a lot of money. She gave him three and a half million dollars. So now I would think Putin would know the answer to that. I think he should release it. I think we should know that answer. Now, you won't get the answer from Ukraine. So it cuts off there. It wasn't me cutting it off. That actually is the cut off audio. But he's asking, he's sort of making an appeal to Putin to put out information on the Bidens. Is A, is that incorrect to do that right now? And B, do you think that the media is overblowing what he's asking? I mean, all of it's kind of weird. Your thoughts, Roy? Well, he's he's a private citizen. I mean, I get, even though I didn't agree with it, I get people questioning that, like, during a campaign, you know, hey, foreign power, get dirt on my opponent. That's, you know, that's a little fuzzy. But as a private citizen, I think we're all thinking it. And Trump has always spoken that way, the way that he says what we, at least the people on our side, the conservative side, think what we want somebody to say. 
Yeah. And that's all he did. And why can't he as a private citizen? I mean, I think he is asking a valid question. Mm-hmm. Why did the mayor of Moscow's wife give the Bidens $3 million? <laughs> you know, and like there's a lot of money questions with the Bidens and with Russia and with Ukraine. And then you got Hillary in there at the other end of the spectrum who's doing something in Russia for the last several years, too. And then she's making up Russia information and using it to campaign. There's a lot of that stuff. It's just that he seems to go places where you're like, I don't know. And the whole private citizen thing, I think that's that's a little bit Murky. too gracious because, yes, you or I are private citizens, but we're also not the former president who might also be the future president. <laughs> like, that's there's a little bit of a difference there. Yeah, I'm a little biased. Yeah. I'd probably cut him too much slack. But, I mean, just last thoughts, Trisha, before we get to our scripted piece of the week. Is that okay for him to do that? No, I don't think it's apples to apples here because we're talking about Biden as far in, in a time of war and turmoil. And we're talking about Trump not necessarily being in control of any of those situations. But this is a foot in the mouth situation, <clears throat> in my opinion. It seems like one that's a little more planned to me, though. Yeah. And which, he, I mean, he, sometimes he would just say stuff. This one sounds like he knew he was going mm-hmm. to do that. Which warrants a different kind of criticism than the media gives him. I don't think he's colluding with Russia. No, no. If he was, he would call Putin and say, give me that stuff and then give that to the media. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have these relationships. Like that line of questioning is crazy. But as a Trump supporter, when he's our candidate as a Trump supporter, it's this kind of stuff where I'm like, really? Like You're just setting yourself up. But it's also a valid question. Yeah, you know, I he, agree. he does this stuff and then everybody goes, well, you can't do that. But in the midst of it, he's asking a very valid question about the money coming from Moscow to the Bidens. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, OK, short 60 seconds, 30 seconds here. We're going to regroup. We've got a great skit. I hate calling it skit. I screwed up again. I call it script. Because we're higher class than doing sketches. Oh, yeah, we fancy. We very fancy. Thank you for saying it that way. Um, I'll just give you this. this, uh, And we're going to do it live. You guys don't even know. I've got the script here, but you haven't seen it yet. This is an exercise. It's called, you meet three people at a restaurant. Can you pick which one of these is ideologically left? Hang on. We'll be right back. All right, forget it then. I'll be BC. You be waiter. You want me to be BC? No, you're T. We got you down. I don't know how to say maitre d. <laughs> you just said it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Roy clearly can't do the dumb voice, so I'll do it. All right. Here we go. This is an exercise. You listening are at a restaurant. You have three people who come up to you at this restaurant who say things. You have to decide which one of them is ideologically left. Can you pick it out? Ready? Go. Let's get scripted. Hi, I'm Kelly, your maitre d'. I have a great table for you right here, not too far away from the live musician, but not too far from the restrooms or the bar. I'll be your waiter. My name is Pierre. We've got some great drink specials, including a sherry from our own grape distributor that we press right here on site. Duh, duh. Hello. I'm wandering from my station a little bit. I'm the bathroom attendant, Bob Cinnamon. I wander around because I support unenforceable borders. Do-do. <laughs> That's scenario number one. Again, you're sitting at the restaurant. Don't make up your mind yet. 
Let's go into scenario number two. If I put you too close to the music and you're having to talk too loudly, just flag me down anytime and I'll be glad to move you to a better location. Once again, if you're interested in our sherry, it comes highly recommended, but we do have a nice selection of locally made wines from the region as well. Hey, it's me again, Bob Cinnamon. <laughs> I came out of the bathroom again. I'm sorry. We should pack the corns. <laughs> okay, that was scenario number two. Again, don't make up your mind until you heard all three. This is number three. You're at a restaurant. These three people come up to you. Pick which one is ideologically left. Hi, it's Kelly, the maitre d' again. Does Bob Cinnamon keep coming out here and talking to you? He's the bathroom attendant, so he should stay in the bathroom and keep his opinions to himself. Do you think we should fire him? Hi, let me know if Bob Cinnamon comes out of the bathroom again. He has a <laughs> he has a bad odor. I guess that's what happens when you hang around poop all day and never wash. Sometimes we have to lock the bathroom door from the outside, which essentially renders both he and the bathroom itself purposeless, but it's necessary. It's not something we like doing or talking about, but anyway, your food should be out shortly. I do apologize for the wait. Shh, it's me, Bob. This isn't a real mustache. While you were eating, I put on this bald cap and this fat suit and snuck out the vents. It was hard. Oopsie doozle, here they come. I gotta climb back in through the vent into the bathroom where I live. The bathroom is my home. Don't tell on me. By the way, the Constitution is outdated. Okay, those are your three scenarios. That's tough. Can you pick which one of those three characters who approach you at a restaurant are ideologically left? You have about 10 seconds here to gather your thoughts, put in, this would be the part where you have to lock in your guests, and then we are going back with one final scene to give you the answer. Was it the maitre d', Kelly? Was it Pierre, the waiter? Or was it Bob Cinnamon, the bathroom attendant? Your final scene with the answer is here. I'm so sorry that we had to fire Bob Cinnamon, the bathroom attendant who changed into a fat suit right in the middle of your meal. I truly hope it hasn't ruined your dining experience. Here's a coupon for a chocolate lava cake. I have something to tell you too. I told Bob Cinnamon to keep coming out of the bathroom and fed him those lines so he'd lose his job and have to go on, a gover on government welfare. Am I a horrible person? I am aware of the strain he's going to put on our system, but I did it anyway. I believe in social anarchy. I threw Molotov cocktails at federal buildings, but I condemned January 6th in op-eds to major newspapers. F. Trump and F. Bob Cinnamon. Wow. What? Wow, what a turn of events. Uh, it's really now if you picked Bob Cinnamon in that if you heard that and you said well Bob Cinnamon's the leftist that's on you because you didn't listen to there was plenty of hints in there that it was actually Kelly the maitre d agree he's a jerk I missed it wow that's amazing wins America that is amazing oh man what the heck is this show We'll wrap it up in our short segment next, Wiggins America. Not much time left in this here radio broadcast, but I did want to get to one last thing. You know, I love last person on earth movies and I keep a gigantic list of them. 
And they have to hit one of three criteria, one being you are actually the last person on Earth or an Earth-like place or planet. Second being the, you have to be or think that you are the last human being, even if you're in space, so you're not on Earth. That's criteria two. Or criteria three is very different than the first two. You have to be or some sort of scene, experience the characters in an empty city or empty urban environment. Somewhere where there should be people, especially a lot of people, but there are none. If you hit one of those three criteria, you make my list. The last. Where is everybody? The last. last. It's not the end of the world. It's all the time I need and all the time I want. The last person on Earth. I miss the noise, you know? I thought it was going to be alone again. There's time now. It's called Serenity. You may have seen it. Now, I am a huge fan of the Firefly series. This is the culmination of that series in a movie. But I watched the movie first. It came out in 2005. Didn't even know it was a TV series. Saw it at Blockbuster at the time. And it uh, it does hit criteria number three, the empty city part. Now, I won't give that away because that's a really cool part of the movie. They land on a planet that should be bustling with activity. There's nobody there. And so it hits the criteria just in that way. I don't think we'll ever see more Firefly because that was such a good ending to it, which is unfortunate because it's a super fun series if you've never seen Firefly or Serenity. Highly recommend that. And on that note, I hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you this coming week and, of course, next weekend at this time. Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 